The song serves as a good foundation for the lesson this evening. The time frame for the writing of the song is during World War I, a time when the world was at war with each other, and the need for mankind really to know that the Savior still lives, He still reigns, and He still cares. For those that are his, there is stability for those times, as there will always be stability throughout our lives, regardless of how the world perceives it. We as children of God need to perceive it, that even in those difficult hours, God does care for his people. We had that tendency, God's people always had, of when troublesome times arise, to begin to lose perspective and to believe that again what is going to happen, what may happen, depends a great deal upon them as opposed to it depending upon, upon God. In Isaiah 33, verses 5 and 6, we'll be looking at a little bit. Isaiah is writing during a time when the kingdom of Judah was facing some difficult time. Assyria was advancing from the north, conquering kingdom after kingdom. Again, you could hear the rumors fly, if you will. Isaiah is going to have to deal with some of those. A serious coming, and it seems to be unstoppable. Even Israel, the northern kingdom, had already gone into captivity, and the southern kingdom is concerned about their particular life. But as Assyria drew near to Jerusalem, the people of God, became undecided about where should they turn. Some thought they ought to give themselves up to the Assyrians. Some thought they ought to look to the south and see if they could make an alliance with Egypt. They never looked above to see if God would help them. Do we fall in that trap at times? When troubles sometimes arise, where do we find our stability for the life that we live? Are we looking for solutions that we could see what was going on in the world during the time the song was written? Who are you going to line up with? Who are you going to identify with? Who do you believe has a better chance of being victorious? Who do you believe has a better chance of treating us fairly? Either in victory or particularly how the other side might treat us in defeat. We look everywhere. Except sometimes where we ought to look. And that is to God. So Isaiah was sent by God. To warn the people of Judah. To warn the people in Jerusalem. 
to warn the people in his holy city, do not look to Assyria, do not look to Egypt for your deliverance. The key to their salvation was to trust in the Lord and not in man. That has not changed. That has not changed. The key to salvation is found in trusting in God, not in man. Kingdoms will rise and fall. Alliances will be made and broken. Sides will switch. There's an uncertainty in man trying to direct his own destiny, making his own decisions as to what it is he believes is right. And God's people are not immune to that. The Lord would provide the stability they needed when all seemed lost, but they would have to turn to the Lord. So the exhortation is to put their trust in the Lord. Speaks of wisdom and knowledge as a stability of your times. The wisdom and the knowledge. These is what these are what give stability in the life that we live. Nothing is always as we would want it to be. Everything seems to be subject to change and to turmoil. Do not believe there has been a generation alive that has not expressed their concern for the generations that were following them. Heard for countless generations, I simply do not know how this younger generation is going to make it. And I remind some of those, I imagine your grandfather said the same thing. And his grandfather probably said the same thing about that younger generation. And on and back it goes. Don't see how they're going to make it. As we get, grow older, we have a tendency to become very selective in our memory. We choose prices that we remember and say, boy, wouldn't that be nice if gas was 19 cents a gallon again? But I sure do like the wages I'm receiving today. We got different perspectives. So we lose prospects. We buy into whatever it is somebody may offer. Stability. In your retirement years, stability for this, and things will go well for you if you will trust in the programs that we have outlined for you, as opposed to putting our trust in God. Wisdom and knowledge of the Lord is what is important. He shall be stability in your times. The New American Standard Translation has, He shall be your stability in time. Put your trust there. He'll see you through. Again, we would prefer to see the answer 
given before the problem arises. And though we may be many centuries removed from the days of Isaiah, the counsel given to him is still valid today. It's still true. Troublesome times, the Lord provides. Stability for the times that are for us troublesome. We face many of the same disturbing things that they faced as well. Many things are common for whatever age they may be. Job 14.1 Man who is born of woman, days are full of trouble. Has that changed? Always trouble sometimes out there. Always sickness. We've cured a lot of sicknesses. Found a host of others that replace those that we found cures for. Become so satisfied in what we think we have that we've allowed some of the previous illnesses that we thought were wiped out to start coming back again. Illness or sickness is always there. So is death. No respecter of persons. No respecter of time. Never seems to be the appropriate time. At times we, we look that way, and those times are really few. It always seems to come unexpectedly at a time that we did not plan on. Natural disasters taking place around the globe, are they not? Always have been the case. We may have some that are peculiar to our day and our age. We face the threat of nuclear holocaust. Ever since the, nuke, the atom bomb has been invented, always been a possibility, always been a threat on the forefront that that may take place. We have inflation, recession, unemployment, diseases galore. We have things that they hadn't even heard about back then. We got road rage. We got drive-by shootings. Random or not, I don't know. But they're just a part of the life in which we live. And we get very concerned about what's going to happen and how we're going to make it. Stability is found in the Lord. There will always be the anxieties and the fears that we may have. There are those that whatever is taking place can affect us, anxiety, depression. And we find out in the life that we live, guess what? Christians are not immune to what mankind faces in society. It'd be nice if we could live in this little airtight bubble, would it not? But if we did, we'd not, we would not be reaching out. We're not immune. The world is not so concerned, even though they may act like it at times, not so concerned about your making mistakes, not so concerned about making wrong decisions, suffering some consequences. But the question is, 
How do you respond to it? That's their concern. That's their interest. If we're, if we're concerned about our making mistakes, well, we need to rest assured, put your fears to, to ease. You're going to make them. You're going to make mistakes. That's the part of life that we live. It's what do you do after you made them? You cover them up. You acknowledge them. You learn from them. That's what the world needs to see. They need to see that they look at or they have perceived Christians as supposedly being immune to any problems. And then they see you doing the same thing that they do, worrying about the same things they're worried about. And they say, well, why should I change? You're no different than us. But where is your stability? What gives you that foundation upon which to stand? That you can rock through the troubles and stand firm in the eyes of God. Stability again comes from wisdom and knowledge. Knowledge comes from the Word of God. So if you're going to find stability in troublesome times, you're going to have to spend some time with the Word of God. That's why He gave it to you. That's why we have Isaiah. That's why we have Exodus. That's why we have Leviticus. That's why we have Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, the minor prophets. That's why we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the other New Testament writers. That's why we have those books. Because they tell us that, human, that God's people were always human beings. And they always had faced some problems. Always stand amazed at how could the Israelites who came out of Egyptian bondage to see the ten plagues, to see the Red Sea parted, to be fed water from a rock, to, to get manna from the ground. How could they then, then in, include and entice Aaron to build a calf out of gold and say, this is the God that delivered us out of bondage. And let this God do what? Take us back. How could they? They lost their focus. Human beings, that's the way it is. They would learn. Their children would learn from that adult generation to put their trust in God. But then, how long did that last? How long did that last? How many times do you read over and over again, a generation after generation, a generation being 40 years, 40 years of peace with the king, 40 years of trouble, 40 years of peace and 40 years of trouble, 40 years of peace, 40 years of trouble. It's about a generation. One generation sees one go down and they say, well, we're going to do better. They start doing better, then they go down and that generation says, oh, we need to do better than that. Human beings have not changed. That's why we have the scriptures given to us. Learn from what has taken place. Get the knowledge. And then you seek the wisdom that God gives. When was the last time you read James 
If any of you lack wisdom, do what? Moan and groan and bemoan yourself. No. Anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who does what? Stingily gives it to you. No. Bountifully gives it to you. Ask who? Ask God. If you lack the wisdom, ask God. He already knows what's going on. He already knows what is unfolding. And that's one of the beauties of God, of serving Him, is that you serve Him because you do not know what you're doing right now, how it is going to unfold. Where is it going to lead? We get in, our, we get in worried and concerned about, well, we need to do this, 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 and this, to make sure that this, this, and this follow. We need to seek God. Gain the lessons that we have. That's why they've been given again. Gain the lessons that we have. That's what Paul was saying to the Romans in Romans 15, 4. The things written aforetime were written for our learning and for our admonition. That we through the patience, the patience and the comfort of the scriptures might have hope. The scriptures give hope. The scriptures give patience. Judge nothing before it's time. We need to have patience. Hard to be patient. You just get out in the morning commute and see how hard it is to have patience. It's hard to have patience. Nobody out there wants to exercise it. They're all in a hurry to get someplace. You see it in town. They, they dodge in and out, lane after lane, just get to the red traffic light to wait for you to join them. But they got to get there first. Do that, does that carry over into our life? The patience that God gives. We need that wisdom and we need that knowledge. Wisdom and knowledge... Proverbs 2, verse 6 through 22, basically says, the Lord gives. The Lord gives the patience and the knowledge. And then you just have to ask yourself again, how does the Lord give patience? I want it before I need it. I don't know about you, but I know I want it before I need it. And it does not come that way. It comes when I'm in where I need to exercise it. That's where the patience comes in. And the knowledge, oh, it'd be so nice if you could just put your Bible under your pillow at night and the osmosis is let it seek up through the pillow and into your head. Man, you got it made. It takes time. I know none of you have that problem of reading, going away, and then trying to remember what you read. Have to go back and read it again. That's why he gave us the word. That's why it's written down. We're not depending on the memory. But that takes time. Knowledge comes slowly. We like to have it instantly. We do that in the physical world. We tried so many, we've tried so many ways of getting everything that we want instantly. 
We haven't quite reached the Jetson age where you just take a pill and that's your dinner. Uh, we may be getting close to some of that. I don't know. But it really doesn't matter. We want everything now, the quick access. You know, it's too long of a commute from Dallas to Houston. Let's build a bullet train so that we can get there in a short period of time. That's all we're geared about. That's all we want. Remember the SST? Plane? Travel from New York to what Paris in about three hours, something like that. Caused too many problems. Shut it down. But we were in, we are interested in that which can get us there the fastest. Be patient. The Lord gives patience. He gives the knowledge that we need as well. Providing confidence in the time of turmoil if we put our trust in him. We ought to trust him. And at times, again, that's really hard for us to do. Strength comes through salvation as well. You draw strength when you become this child of God. Because you have, you have God on your side now. God abides in you. God abides with you. God, Jesus abides in you. He abides with you. The Holy Spirit abides in you. He abides with you. The Word of God abides in you. You have access to it. He's given you a spiritual family. You have strength in salvation. You have the encouragement that you need to face the times that come down the road. You do not ever face them alone. You always have help along the way. What God gave us a family for. The physical family as well as the spiritual family as well. Learn to have this strong hope. Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 1. We have an earthly tabernacle that's going to vanish away. But we're looking for a, a house built in heaven that's eternal. The dwelling, the temporary is going to be gone. Could be gone soon enough. We're looking for that which is eternal. That gives stability in the life that we have. We have that desire to go and to be with him. Not to lose heart in the trials and tribulations that we face along the way. Romans 8.31 If God is for us, what's the rest of it? Who can be against us? If God is for us, dwell on that. Whatever trials you face, God is still for you. Sometimes we ask that question, why has he left me? Why do I have to fight this alone? Why wasn't given any notice along the way? Warning, warning, major catastrophe coming ahead, get prepared. It's not given, but he's never left us. To know that he's for us helps us in the life that we live. To put our trust in him where it needs to be. The key to all of this stability is the fear of the Lord. Not the dread. Not that fear. The fear of respect. 
that fear of that respect of God. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure, to put our trust in Him. It is the beginning of knowledge, Proverbs 1, verse 7. It's the beginning of wisdom, Proverbs 9, verse 10. It's necessary in the life that we live to understand this respect for God. Not to place him on common ground as you and I. He is our Father. He cares for us. But he is still God. He is still still pure and holy and righteous and reigns supreme in heaven. And when we have that respect for him, then it is our desire indeed to want to do the things that would be pleasing in his sight. Paul would remind the Philippians in Philippians 2 and verse 12, You've always obeyed, but much now more in my absence to do what? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You have obeyed. You have become Christians. But need to understand that there's a life to be lived. Working out our salvation with fear and trembling, with respect for God. There is something he does expect out of us. We have, he, he has not created us as robots to aimlessly go through life just doing the things that he would want us to do with no thoughts involved at, it, at all. There is something he wants us to do. Love him with all our heart. Keep his commandments. Honestly believe that the keeping of his commandments is not grievous. It's not burdensome. The world wants you to believe that it is. The world wants to believe that keeping God's commandments are burdensome. But they're not. Do not let the world influence you and your view of God. Why, again, you are strongly encouraged. Take time to be holy. Speak oft with thy Lord. Listen to him through his word. Listen to the comfort he gives. Listen to the strength that he gives. Listen to the hope that he holds out for us. And listen and always remember and whatever trial or tribulation that we face, as we're singing the song from time to time, as the scriptures would remind us, the battle belongs to the Lord. He will give the victory. But it's up to us and the life that we live. There's a fountain free. Tis for you, tis for me. It's a fountain open for all. One of the things that we have to remind ourselves as we think about that fountain, it's free to you and to me. The cost of it to God the Father and God the Son It's absolutely beyond comprehension. But because he loves you. 
he made it available to you. For those that will come and be plunged beneath that flood, that fountain, have all their guilty stains removed. That's what he holds out for us. How do we respond to what he's already provided? Grace greater than our sin. How do we respond to what he's already provided? As you look at your life this evening, as you reflect upon your relationship to God above and what he's done and what he's provided, how are you responding to that fountain that's free? An opportunity is offered to you this evening to be able to make that change in your life, to become a child of God or to be able to come home. To know that again when you come home, God greatly anticipates that and waits for that, that decision. The opportunity is given. If you need to respond to that invitation, if we could assist you, if we could help you. Indeed, we bid you to come as together we stand and sing. There's a fountain.